is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock so ring that buzzer it sounds like a lion roar and open the door to join us for the 10th meeting of the animal fan club i'm skip-de-doo meredith and i'm not a tadpole not yet a tree frog mike and we meet here every week at our arctic clubhouse we like to call the dalmatian station (laughs) talk about our favorite animals what we lack in expertise we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder whoa so saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom, Animalia. Whoop, whoop. We're back from the holidays, Mike. We're back from the holidays. We've survived. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2020. 2020, and I'm Baba Wawa. I'm Baba Wawa, <laughs> and this is 2020. <laughs> Had to do it. I was, like, so confused. I was like, why are people having, like, Barbara Walters-themed New Year's parties? And then I was like, oh, Duh, you idiot. I was just excited to see it and also appreciated like the supercuts of her saying 2020 yes. and how, um, what was his name? Hugh? Hugh Downs. Hugh Downs, that's right. It was so technical for them that she was, you know, and this is 2020. Yeah. And like he would look over when she said this is and then he would nod after she said the first 20. <laughs> I was just seeing like 10 of them like consecutively. You just, you really appreciate the craft, you know? Yeah, I love that. I've been watching 2020 for as long as I can remember. I took a break probably for like 10 years, but now I'm back on that train because it's all like true crime trash. Sure. And I live for it. Sure. It's great. Unsolved mysteries. Mm-hmm. Loved that as a child. Loved yeah. it. I watched it a lot growing up and I didn't, I guess I couldn't separate the fact from the fiction when I was younger, you know? Yes. They'll tell you these true crime stories, but then they'll be like, and then this hotel is haunted. And right. It's, you know, maybe it is, or maybe it's a ploy to get some more tourism, you know? It's just gone on long enough, and they can't quite give it up and, like, admit that there was maybe a not a, really a ghost. They're just happy for the business, you know? Right, of course. Well, anyway, to the task at hand. To the task at hand. Did you have a good week in animals? I did. Well, I mean, being at home is always great because there's a built-in animal there. Sure. Kitty cat Claude. Claude. Who, um, I got him a kitty bed for Christmas. It took a while. We were, like, putting treats in it because he wasn't going to just, like, get in it. Sure. He's not. He's too trepidatious for that. Sure. Of course, by the time I left, my mom was, like, full-on sending me pictures of him, like, perfectly curled up in it. And <laughs> yeah. I... I was very excited. Good. I'm glad that it's, you never know when you're gifting something to a cat. Yeah. Cats are finicky. We're going to learn more about this today. We are. I let the cat out of the bag. We let the cat out of the bag. Today's the day we see cats. And um, we're going to tell you about it when we want to. In true cat form. Yeah, in true cat form. To honor the spirit of the cat, we're seeing it on our own time frame. And Mm -hmm. we're going to tell you about it on our own time frame in our own manner. Right. I'm just wondering if I should take a notebook. I don't know. I think I might take some finger paints. <laughs> yeah. Like, prints. honestly, at yeah. this point, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little concerned. I've heard such mixed things. Same. Uh, Meredith and I are both Cats fans. We grew up with Cats. I actually was introduced to the Book of Poems first. And then the musical, which is the right order of things. Because yes, then absolutely. you go in and you're like, oh, yeah. It's a, it, when you really think about it as like each cat in the musical is really just a one-page poem. Right. 
then it becomes much easier to kind of go in with your expectations set correctly. Exactly. You're viewing it through the right lens. Yeah. So my mom um, introduced it to me because she's a big fan of T.S. Eliot in general. So she knew about Old Possum's book of Practical Cats, which is just a very adorable, ingeniously written set of poems, as you said. Yeah. So I was introduced to them in conjunction with one another. And also my second grade teacher was also a big fan. And so she had the book in her collection. And so I would like read it all the time. Right. And then I think it was that year, maybe the year after that, my that the tour came through Cincinnati. Right. At the Taft Theater before they moved to the Aronoff. Oh. And um and I was just beyond myself excited. Yeah. I saw it in Cleveland at Playhouse Square. And I yeah. think that's what it was. I think that uh, it was the season was coming up. And my neighbor across the street, Missy Neal, I remember she was the one that had the book. Mm-hmm. And it was between her and my mom, you know, that yeah. I got like exposed to that and primed for it. And then there was that PBS, the filming of that. I used to watch that and learn the dances off of it. And it was that thing I would do like after school, like in the basement, I'd come upstairs and my brother would be like, why are you sweaty? And I'm like, uh, I'm not sweaty. You're sweaty. Because I was like obsessed. Like I was always after school trying to learn these dances off of that VHS cassette. I think it was filmed in like 98, I want to say. It was all, I think all British actors and dancers, but oh Lord, was I ever obsessed with that. Well, that's where you learned the signature Mongo Jerry and Rumple Teaser cartwheel. cartwheel. Yes. Yes. If that's not in this movie, I swear I'm going to be so that will turn me off immediately. I would say if that's not in there, you have ruined the spirit of cats. Cuz that's everything. Well, Meredith, you know, I don't know anything for certain having not seen it with my own eyes, but yes. it seems to me like the overwhelming majority of responses uh, concerning it is that they have in fact ruined yeah, the spirit of cats. So <laughs> which is in this situation analogous to the book of poems. It's good that you know that going in right. so that your expectations can be set accordingly. Right. Because I don't think that this is going to honor like the joy that I think we both feel mm-hmm. when we think of like the OG cat the original, right. the OC, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. That really tickled me. Yeah, the OC. I think that what I enjoy about the OC is that it's kind of this immersive thing. You go in and there's all this junk type stuff like built into the set that right. makes you feel like you're a smaller scale. Right. And then these obviously people dressed up as cats, but committed to the, like, takes a minute to put on that makeup. Hell and yeah. Those wigs are outrageous. Yeah. And the Lycra body suits, and they're these beautifully sculpted dancers who have spent their lives, like, cultivating this movement. Mm-hmm. And then it's just presented as a sort of, like, dance experience, you know, like, a right. con- almost like a concert dance. Yeah. And then the music is, you know, the music's fun. I personally do like the score. Like, the synth sound, you know, people like to argue about that, but I like it. I love it. I think it's great. Especially in some earlier, I cannot remember if it's an earlier recording, uh, like an earlier phase of orchestration or what, but it's a lot more like classically orchestrated and it's just beautiful. Mm. I think it's like an early orchestration, like probably a British recording or I just, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't done my research on what it is, but I was kind of blown away, like hearing it not as 80s electronic Sure. Oriented, just more kind of like classic Broadway pit orchestra kind of stuff. Right. Sounding like a lot of like solo oboe lines and violin lines. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's like you get it. I think it does work as a symphonic experience. Yeah. For sure. 
Like, I think that's why it's just like as a stand as like a piece of music, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just kind of buckle up and experience like their instrument choices, you know. Right. But also a thing that came up in my mind is like nobody goes to the Nutcracker and they're like, where's the plot? Where's the plot in that second act? Because it's exactly the same thing. It's all these little character pieces, Uh like these dances and costuming and music that's depicting these specific countries and candies. And no one's like, what the fuck is up with the second act of the Nutcracker? That's exactly what Cats is doing. It's just all these little vignettes about cats. Yeah, it is exactly what it is. Inherently plotless. Inherently plotless. As I say constantly, like, have you ever met a cat? Have you ever been in a room with multiple cats? Have any of those cats ever told you their name or done a dance to express their jellical nature? Maybe. Probably, actually. (laughs) Honestly, probably. And none of it made sense. None of it had a plot. None of it functioned on any sort of understanding that humans have of time or space or sense or order or what is right and wrong. But I mean, what do you expect? It's a cat. Right. And as we learn on Animal Fan Club through all of these animals, there's so many processes and things that we as humans do not understand and maybe never will about how these animals have evolved, what the different functions are of their various appendages and orifices and what have you. Maybe this is just T.S. Eliot's amazing pondering, musing upon these strange attributes of the feline, you know? I think that's right on. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, now, listener, like, you're just going to have to continue interacting with us. Uh-huh. And at some point in the future, you'll find out more information about cats, which is, again, how we honor the spirit of the cat mm-hmm. in our cats reviewing process. Yeah. So this, I guess, is the prelude to... Yes, pre-cats. This is the pre-cats prelude, or prelude, as some people will say, oddly. And you're going to get the full recount on an upcoming episode. Ready? Okay. Texana you. Texana we. Texana who? Texana me. Kingdom. Animalia. Animals are super cool. Phylum. Cordata. Spines are even cooler. Class. Chondrichthys, cartilaginous fishes. Order. Orectolobiformes, carpet sharks. Family. Ginglimastomata de hello, nurse shark. Genus. Nebrius, only one extant species. Species. Pharyginius, it's a tawny nurse shark. Every week is shark week. Chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Yes, the tawny nurse shark. So we're back Aww. to your friends, the chondrichthys. I, I know cartilaginous fishes. Yes, the New Ireland stingery is a previous cartilaginous fish. Yay, the they're back. carpet sharks, also known as the wobble gong. <laughs> that sounds like a Lewis Carroll character. It does. It's like, uh, yeah, magical Mr. Mistopheles, like <laughs> wobbly Mr. Wobble gong. Totally. He's the misfire, the like now certainly racially insensitive and in the 80s also racially insensitive like Chinese wobbly drunken cat. Oh, no. Wobble gong. Oh, no. Well, they're actually, sorry, not to go back to cats, but <laughs> in in the version I saw in like the initial recording, when Gus the theater cat goes into his like dream about playing um, Growl Tiger there's a whole, like, culturally insensitive thing about him coming up, I think, against, like, the si- army of Siamese cats. One of which was named Mr. Wobblegong. 
<laughs> he was the captain. So the carpet sharks are called that because they kind of look like carpets. Like their backs, oh. they have like patterns. It's a cosmopolitan order, which means that they wear tweed sweatshirts <laughs> and travel in dirigibles, but have like a global distribution everywhere where it's hospitable conditions. Like some yes. whales are cosmopolitan, so sure. are the tawny nurse shark. But they're mostly in the Indo-Pacific region. Okay. All the species have two spineless dorsal fins, five gill slits, nostrils. Nares. Nares. Paired <laughs> nares. Tactile sensory organs and nasoral grooves, which connect the nostril to the mouth. So I thought, is this thing on my, do I have a nasal groove? But you don't. That's a filtrum. Filtrum. Yeah. I learned that vocab word on the back of a cereal box. Oh. But also, nares. Who's a shark shark? (laughs) (laughs) Tawny nares shark shark. shark. So many species have barbels, which we said are like whiskers, but they're made of flesh. Yeah, they're like sensory organ whiskers, barbels. Catfish have lots of barbels. Yeah. They first appeared in the fossil record in the early Jurassic period, which is fucking metal because like dinosaurs showed up in the Triassic, which was before the Jurassic period. But I mean, we're talking about like eons and like periods and stuff. And that's a kiang of a different class. (laughs) Okay. Although I do encourage everybody to kind of look up, there's this chart of like geological time and looking at it's kind of wild because it's just like millions and millions and millions of years, you know. What a way to make a girl feel insignificant, right? Or just like uh, bacteria and like a Petri dish of life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Nurse sharks are a division of carpet sharks, right? Carpet shark is the order. Now we're in the family. Hello, nurse. <laughs> shark they have long tails and distinctive subterminal mouths that's far ahead of the eyes so if i'm a shark okay got it and like <laughs> like my eyes would be kind of on the back of my head okay like, mm-hmm. like where the spine connects to the back of my skull but like you know over on like the left and the right side that's kind of where their eyes are and then their mouth is kind of like where the forehead is. So it's yeah. not like the it's not like the great white shark where it's like a cha, it's a like chomp a Pac-Man sort yeah, of situation. Yeah, yeah. It this is again more like a catfish and I have a little picture here that I'm showing Meredith. Yeah, and it's kind of like see how it's subterminal so the mouth isn't at the terminus. It's not at his tip. Right. It's like, a little bit after. A little that. under. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. The subterminal mouth betrays their benthic life, which means that they're like a bottom dweller and they mm-hmm. eat the food that's on the bottom. Like our walrus friends a little? A little bit like the walrus friends, yeah. Yeah. Lacking vibrisse but possessing barbels. Perfect illustrative point. The name nurse shark is thought to be like a corruption of the word nuse. <laughs> a name that was once used to refer to cat sharks. It's so it's like a incorrect terminology thing that became common. Other people think that they look like they're nursing when they're kind of running around on the bottom of the ocean floor to get their food. It looks as if they're nursing on Mother Earth. Oh, that's a lovely poetic sentiment, but that kind of seems like a stretch. Yeah. Because a lot of species do that and they are never called nursing. That's true. The species now, we're on the species. Nebrius ferruginius, the tawny nurse shark. It's about eight feet long generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do have the barbels. We have a pointed tip dorsal fin. We've got narrow sickle-shaped pectoral fins. 
Okay. Which are the, those are the chest ones, remember? Right. And then the ventral ones are down. They're the fossy fins. The fossy fins. <laughs> oh, if only this were a visual. Yeah. A visual medium right now. Mike just did a very fossy Bob Fossey, the choreographer esque fan of his fingers, kind of at his. I'd say that's my hip. Yeah, right at your hip. Uh-huh. Just fanned it kind of outward. You start in and you go like pinky first, like yes. out, and you do like every finger individually. Right. Right. That and was then you beautiful. open your gill slits <laughs> and you breathe deep, honey. The biggest one recorded is like 10 feet long. They like reefs, sandy flats, seagrass beds. They like shallow water. Mm-hmm. It is a nocturnal creature. And during the daytime, it gets together with about two dozen or so of its pals. And it takes a nap in a pile, like in a cave or like underside, like under a crevice or like under a shelf thing for oh. safety. A dog pile of tawny nurse sharks. Yeah, cuddle puddle. Cuddle tiny, puddle. Tiny nurse sharks. They mostly eat octopuses, octopods, also other invertebrates, small bony fishes, the occasional sea snake. They're pretty serious predators, and they use a powerful suction force to extract <gasps> prey from inside holes and crevices, like your friend the Mata Mata. Mata What's the Mata Mata? Oh, man, I went down such a, like, turtle journey, and I was looking at all these turtles, and I was watching, like, turtle evolutionary videos on YouTube, and there was one, and the neck was, like, 10 inches long. They're crazy. It was hilarious, you know? Uh And they were, it was the talking about the two different, like, does the head just retract back in? Or does it it swivel, you know? Is it a shower or a grower? (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) Uh, Okay, so these guys are generally placid. They interact with divers. Divers touch them. Sometimes we catch them for meats, fins, livers, leathers, and fish meal, also caught for sport. But it's known for spitting water in the faces of its captors when it's caught, which is righteous. And I would like to say, you go, Tawny Nurse Shark. You spit. You spit, honey. Mating is known to occur in July and August off of Madagascar. Okay. Remember, it's an Indo-Pacific shark. Right. So the mode of reproduction, like our previous cartilaginous fish, is aplacental viviparity, meaning that the embryos hatch inside the uterus. No words on uterine milk. Okay, good. But there is ophagy, where the developing embryos eat all of the food and the yolk. Then they start gorging on eggs produced by the mother. Placental cannibalism? Yeah, they feed on eggs produced by the mother while still inside of the uterus. Huh, interesting. I, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, that's super weird. I, like, I'd never, I'd never heard of that before. Again, aplacental viviparis, so it hatches inside of the mom's uterus, mm-hmm. and then before it leaves, it eats some of the other eggs that are in there. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah. The eggs consumed by the embryo are large and shelled rather than small and underdeveloped like they are in some other uh, animals, like mackerel sharks also do this. The litter size may be as small as one or two based on the large size of the near-term embryos. In captivity, females have been documented with like 52 non-viable egg capsules, which is why there have been erroneous reports of this shark being oviparous, but don't believe those if you hear them. It is an aplacental viviparous. (laughs) So in, in, well, oh, okay. This picture I just have to show you because it kind of looks like Beavis and Butthead. This is two like shots (laughs) like up at like some sharks displaying different species of sharks with different like (laughs) nose, nasal, uh, nasal flaps. 
They also kind of look like sock puppets in a way. <laughs> yeah, they're very funny. We also have a YouTube uh, Tawny Nurse Shark review. Okay. Tribute to Cuddles, the Tawny Nurse Shark from Reef HQ Aquarium. And they pay tribute to their shark who passed away. Oh. They had had it for about 22 years, 21 or 22 years. Oh, wow. It passed away. And so they made this this video. It's really cute because the shark's name is Cuddles because he was so friendly with divers, as mentioned before. Yeah. And the very first shot that they showed of Cuddles is him swimming, like just kind of standing still. And then a turtle up underneath him just kind of rubbing the back of the turtle head against the ventral surface of Cuddles, the tawny nurse shark. And then they showed, like, divers petting cuddles and everything. And they were like, oh, the divers just love cuddles and everything. And I'm thinking that, like, the aforementioned cuddle puddle of the 22 or so individuals that just lie down and take naps during the day, which sounds like a great way to build community at the very least. Absolutely. I love that. That maybe he's missing that in in the tank. And so I'm glad that he could express that with the turtle. Yeah. And uh, with the divers. Our Shelly friends. Our Shelly friends, yeah. <laughs> and our fellow primates. Oh, that's adorable. Cuddles. Isn't that nice? Cuddles. Are these the guys you kind of see them? I mean, you see videos of them commonly, but they kind of like, it's not like a full flutter, but there's like an undulation of their skin, and that's kind of how they move. No, no, no. I don't know what I'm thinking these of. Lo- these guys look like sharks, but they okay. just kind of have a weird mouth. Okay. That's how I would describe it. And I feel like I've been to an aquarium before. And I'd be like, is that a shark? Like, I don't know. Don't sharks have chomp chomps? And then, yeah. you know, you'd read the little description that would be like, the tawny nurse shark is a carpet <laughs> shark. Yeah. You know, and so I, I feel like I've seen that face before, though. Okay. You know, it, like it kind of looks like a bottom feeder. And not in the pejorative sense. No. This is in like the purely non-hierarchical system of animals of all kinds are great. Yeah, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. We're back, back in, in the, the nasal, nasal groove. <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess let's take a break. Love it. <sighs> Why so blue, Tanya? <laughs> I am a blue tongue skink. It's my name, Marissa. It's your tongue that's blue, not your spirit. What has you so sad? Well, Marissa, I'm just jealous of the luxurious hair of our mammal friends. And I'm sad that, as lizards, we will never have such gorgeous displays of keratin. Oh, Tanya, hold on to your tongue, because Brand Clubby just announced Squamates, a new line of wigs for Squamates. Wait, really? I feel so prescient. Understandably so. Squamanes is an entire collection for all Squamates, from the tiny dwarf gecko to the mighty kimono dragon. Do they have a line for snakes? I don't want my serpent friends to be left out. Of course they do. Brand Clubby is very thorough. The line you should be most excited about is the Skinkaslay series for Skinkaday. Yes! I'm going to pull up my Brand Clubby app and order some new lizard looks. Get to it. As always, Brand Clubby stands behind their products, so simply return any wigs that don't work for you within 30 days for a full refund. OMG. Check this out. I'm going blonde. Brand Clubby turns another frown upside down. Yay! Pets, I wish you had also 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 I wish you had also I wish you had also met. Also I wish you had also met. Welcome back to Pets, I wish you had also met. Here we are. We have a special guest. Jack is here. You're going to hear more about Jack next week. This is Thanks, a little preview. It's a little pre-preview. Welcome. Um, so, Jack, do you want to tell us about a pet that you've known? 
Uh, sure. Absolutely. So when I was a child, I, I got a parakeet named Herbie. Uh, oh. And I thought that Herbie, I picked Herbie because Herbie was supposed to be a male. Herbie was supposed to be really talkative. Herbie was not talkative. I read all of Moby Dick to Herbie. Um, and Herbie never spoke. Oh, my God. Like you read it out loud. Yes. <gasps> that is so darling. That is really cute. I was like maybe, I don't know, in third or fourth grade. That's so sweet. I mean, not even to say, like, please stop reading Moby Dick to me. <laughs> like, there was yeah. none of that. <laughs> I mean, that wailing chapter is quite difficult, and Herbie said nothing. Oh. Hmm. I mean, we love you, Herbie. We love your memory. Yeah. But come on. Thanks, Herbie. Throw a whalebone. You know, Herbie ate some cuttlefish because that's what they use. They use a dried cuttlefish to, uh, to you know, break down their beaks because otherwise they, they grow and they get too, oh. I don't know, sharp or something. It's Are kind cuttlefish of... like a tough bite? Yeah, they're... Uh, I don't know if the cuttlefish, it's the bone of the cuttlefish or cuttlefish when they dry, they just are this, but it's it was almost like a a kind of harder soap patty kind of shape. Mm. Oh, that is a whole other can of cuttlefish. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. But you just kind of hang it on the side of the cage. And and like, yeah, exactly. On it. Okay, cool. Definitely cool. What about y'all? Well, I would like to talk about Fred the Airedale, which was belonged to a family friend. He was my first Airedale that I've ever known. And, you know, Airedales kind of have that, like, really tight, wiry hair. Yes. So, Mike, what is an Airedale? What kind of animal is that? It's like a terrier. It's a dog. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. It's One a of the, breed like, of dog. hypoallergenic ones because they've got, quote, unquote, hair instead of, quote, unquote, fur. Right. Yeah. Right. I was assuming it was a creature that lived in a dale. Airedale. They sound very, like, fancy. They are kind of fancy looking. It's kind of a fancy looking dog. It seems yeah. to be like a sort of like terrier of prestige, you yes. know? <laughs> yes. I would say it's not full nubbin or even a demi nubbin. I would say it's maybe like a le grand nubbin. Le grand nubbin. nubbin. But Airedales are cool. That was my the, my first time meeting an Airedale. I feel like I don't really see that many of them around here. Yeah, you definitely don't. But I feel like they're good dogs. It's like all the joys of a terrier and all the joys of a large dog together okay. in like one package. And I don't yeah. know, Fred was just like pretty righteous he was pretty pretty chill no nonsense but you know fun how'd you meet was this another one oh, of your a, pet yeah of course friends totally yeah fred came and stayed at our house a number of times i love that his name is fred yeah, yeah. that's real very cute. basic yeah straight ahead i love straight ahead names for pets yeah that's really fun. how old were you when you had this pet sitting service oh i was a child i was like um elementary school oh, okay yeah and, and like into middle school so really, it was a family service, not yeah, just like you. Family oh, it was totally my mom. Yeah, 100% my mom. That's so cute, though. And you yeah. had stationery, though, so I don't know what could be more official. <laughs> I know. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I was kind of at a loss, oddly. And then I just remembered, so my uncle growing up, I'm kind of sad in that I didn't take more advantage of this, but so my uncle and my cousin really into horses. So they had horses and they had a lot of property kind of out like way north of Cincinnati. So lots of land. Um, and they had a, just a butt ton of horses. <laughs> and um, the one that I loved the most uh, was a horse that I think her name might have been Penny, I think, because that was like the nameplate outside of her stable. But it's like maybe she moved into like former Penny's stable. I don't know. Uh-huh. I forget what they said. I think maybe her name was Gertrude. Maybe it was Gertrude. It could have been anything. And I don't I feel like I named this horse something, but I loved her or him. 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know much about this horse at all. I don't even know its name. Sure. But it would just always nod. Like you'd ask it a question. It would say, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it never said no. So it was like the world's most positive horse. And I would just like Love find, an affirmative horse. It's so affirmative. It's like, do I look good today? And it's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It wouldn't say nay. It would never say <laughs> never, nary a nay nary out a of nay. this horse's mouth. Yeah, I just always loved kind of like during like family events, I would just kind of sneak out to the stables and have like a lot of one-sided conversations with this horse. Or maybe it was like one and a half sides because it was like you always would know you'd get some sort of answer, but it would always be the same answer. Mm-hmm. Will I win the lottery tomorrow? It's like as a stuck eight ball. Yes, yes. <laughs> like a highly positive just completely affirmative eight ball. Will Bobby, my my first grade crush, kiss me tomorrow? Oh, yes. Yes, he will. <laughs> yes, he will. But Were you ever frustrated with, with Penny slash Gertrude because she seemed to lie to you? No. Okay. No. I was just, whatever she was selling, I was buying it. Gotcha. She was great. I'm not sure what happened to this horse, but I'm sure she's no longer with us because that was a long time ago and I have no idea how old she was at the time. Fun times. Fun times. On Uncle Pat's farm. Well, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Those are some pets that we wish you had also met. Also met. Also met. Go Mets. <laughs> Go Reds. Pets I wish you had also met. 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 Pets I wish you had met. Also met. Yes. Pets. Taxana you. Taxana we. Taxana who? Taxana me. Kingdom. Animalia. You know the deal by now. Phylum. Cordata. I guess I'm a spinophile. Class. Aves. A little birdie told me. Order. And seraphorms. Waterfowl and allies. Family. Animi day. Ah! Genus. Shauna. South America is where they roam. Species. Shauna. Torcata. Watch out. She's a feisty one. It's the Southern Screamer. That was very inspired. Okay, Southern Screamer. First of all, I am love class Aves. I'm always happy to learn more about birds. I know. So there's a reason why I chose this because, and this may be the source of more animals to come. So Anthony and I for Christmas, because we're our brand is so worn on our sleeves, we got two of the same gift, which was amazing. It's a coffee mug. Um, it's called the Foul Language Coffee Mug, and it's all, like, dirty bird names. Uh-huh. So there's, like, the Southern Screamer. There's the Dick Sissel. The Dick Thistle? Dick Sissel. Dick Sissel. Yeah, there's, like, the Blue-Footed Booby. Whoa. Like, the Woodcock, the Bearded Tit. Like, all these mm. funny things. Um, so I had no idea what the Southern Screamer was, and I always it always tickles me when I see the mug, and there it is. And it's, like, this bird... And its beak is open. Its tongue is, like, out, like, flapping. Like, the illustration on the mug. (laughs) It's very funny. So I was like, okay, why not just dig into what the heck is the Southern Screamer? Yeah. And so it turns out that they're actually a very, very, very common bird in South America. From Colombia all the way down into, like, northern Argentina. They're very, very common to the point that they're kind of, like, pests. Because they'll, like, feed on, like, domesticated bird feed and just kind of, like, disrupt the lives of, like, farm animals and things. Sure. They were at first thought to be related to our galliform friends, 
So like all the the fowl, right? Like the cocks, right? The chickens, cocks. rooster. Well, Gallus is Latin for cock. Yeah, Gallus is Latin for cock, which should be on. Oh, the Andean cock of the rock is another one on my mug. Those birds are crazy. Do you? Is it a true cock though? It's not a true cock. It's a completely different bird. We'll do that one sometime. They have a very funny vocalization. I spent probably a half hour at, I think, in the San Diego Zoo, just like listening to their weird ass call. Oh, you like are familiar with this bird. Oh, I am familiar with this bird. Wow. And they're very silly looking. So we'll do them another time. It was thought that the southern screamer is related to the galliforms, but they're actually more closely related to like geese uh-huh. and ducks. So waterfowl. So if we go back through our taxonomy, it's so funny because we have anseriforms. So waterfowl and their allies is one, one source. Waterfowl and their allies. That was like when I found tree frog and their allies. <laughs> Like, like the Tree Frog Alliance. Yes, it's like the WFA, water, Waterfowl, waterfowl. And Alliance. Yeah. So, but when you get to family, I think it's on Hemidae. It's just, they're known as the Screamers. The Screamers. The Screamers. <laughs> and there's three of them. There's like the Horn Screamer, the Black-Throated Screamer, I believe, and the Southern Screamer, also known as the Crested Screamer. Uh-huh. Which is so funny. There's a whole family of birds known as Screamers. Screamers. <laughs> So the screamers, so all three species, so obviously they love water because they're related to waterfowl, Mm. but generally in all literature referred to as large bulky birds with disproportionate heads (laughs) because the heads are so small compared to their bodies. Uh I love the absurdity of animals and they're generally about like three feet long. So that's a pretty big. That's a big bird. That's a hulking bird. With a tiny little head. With a tiny little head that just screams. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think it's the Cornell ornithology lab uh-huh. uh, has sonograph of the uh, bird call. So I'll play that over the mic so you can actually hear it. Oh. It's more geese-like than my, like, oh, hey! Like, southern scream. Sure. You know. But, uh, <laughs> also, sidebar, <laughs> have you seen the meme of the cat that's like, it's like a cat meowing in what sounds like a southern accent saying, oh, hi. It's like, oh, hi. I have seen that. Yeah, that was going around. I think I Justin it. sent that to me, actually. <laughs> I think that was a Justin. I it, I immediately thought of Justin. Yeah. Team Seahorse. Team Seahorse. Anyhow, let's just talk quickly about something these birds do not have, which is actually a very interesting distinction with these birds. So they are lacking in what's called uncinet or uncinet. I think unsonant process of the ribs. Unsonant processes of the ribs. So unsonant is Latin for hooked. So these are like these little protrusions, bony protrusions off of ribs. They go in the caudal direction, so towards the back of the body. Okay. So this is something that is found on reptiles and all birds except the screamers. Weird. Weird, right? It's like some humans being born without wisdom teeth. Oh. It's not like that. but It's different. (laughs) But I see your point. Isn't that strange? And I couldn't really, I mean, I'm sure if I dug through some scientific literature and papers, I could maybe find like what that might mean evolutionary wise. It's just strange. Like why? Why the screamers? Why huh. leave the screamers out of the incident processes? I guess I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. One of the great questions of life. Do you think that the screamers maybe lost the uncinate process? That maybe the screamers were like, we just need to be really big with our tiny little heads and just yell a lot. Like, I don't think we need these uncinates anymore. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe it somehow impeded their need to scream. Uh-huh. And they were like, I just could be 
more screamy if I got rid of my incidents. Right. Or maybe they like kind of went the Merrill and Manson route where they, if they like had something removed, they could like pleasure themselves. Yeah. And then <laughs> use them as drumsticks in their show. <laughs> yeah. That's another part of that rumor. <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard that part. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. I know. It wouldn't work. You know, rib bones are used as sticks, but I don't think human rib bones would work very well. Right. Right. I think it's, uh, they're too short. Right. my guess. That's what I was thinking. Not I think enough, it's too like, short to get leverage. Right. You took the words right out of my mouth. Thank yeah. You. I can, you know, I can talk more about drumsticks if you want. <laughs> Maybe off mic. What's interesting as these guys is that they are very unfussy when it comes to food. So they'll kind of eat. I think it's a lot of like plant life and sure. worms and things like that. Um, things found around their marshy habitats. Mm. Because... The chicks, they imprint very early. So, like, say a chick is born and there is a human around that is kind to it and feeds it. They're going to become very friendly and imprinted with that human. So, these guys are actually very easy to domesticate. I see. But at the same time, it seems as if domesticating one, you'd be kind of signing up for a lot of loud shit. Because these guys, their calls are said to be heard from miles away. Like, up to two miles. Yeah. And also during their mating, there's a lot of loud honking. I bet. <laughs> As They're you might not imagine. called the Southern Whisperers. No, certainly not. And also, too, interestingly, these guys have on their wings, there's like bony spurs, uh-huh. which are used in like territorial battles. Oh, they have like, they have like wing talon spur fighting. Yes. Wow. And I imagine there's some honking involved in those fights as well. I would hope so. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Girl can dream. I feel like if I ever get in a fight, I'm definitely going to use my vocalization to help startle my foe. Oh, hell yeah. I've actually heard that as like a defense technique is just to start like screaming the craziest shit you possibly can think of in hopes that your um, assailant is just scared by you. Right. Instead of vice versa. It's like when you encounter a bear in the wilderness, you open your jacket to make yourself seem bigger. Right. It's the same thought. Yeah. So I think... That's probably as much as I have on these guys. Cool. Oh, I do. Okay, let me actually pull up the vocalization real fast. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have to do the vocalization. I love this, again, back to value judgments placed on these animals. So the vocalization is described as loud, unmelodious, and a double-noted trumpet call. So why do we have to say mel- unmelodious? Unmelodious. I well, it's the whole like music. Music is one thing. It's the it's a continuation of that. It's like melody, but we have a different concept of melody. Melody has been applied to mean a very specific thing for many people. Right. So let's see how unmelodious this is. I think it's beautiful. Okay, here we go. Thomas catalog number one three two seven four three. Boring. Get to the good stuff. So it's very goose-like. Yeah. I, I guess it is kind of a melodious, though. It's just it like, it's a, ge- it's just a, it's like an accent. It's like a gesture. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I can see Miles Davis making that sound. That's true. And it still would be a melody. Right. It would just be part of his one, one particular improvisation. Called Southern Screamer. Called the Southern Screamer. He would have a song called the Southern Screamer. God bless you, Miles. Bless you, Miles. Break time. You, Farmer John, I hear you've got some itchy pigs. No, John, I literally hear them screaming all night on account of their pesky pork riasis. The solution is simple, really. Get some brand clubby oinkment. You heard me right, oinkment. What is it? 
Well, damn it, John. It's ointment for your itchy pigs. Just scoop that thick, oily crud out of the jar and slap it on your sows, and that should shut them up. You're welcome, John. Okay, welcome back to the listener feedback, everybody. We have our special guest, Jack, who you'll hear more about next week. Hey, hey. Okay, the first question is from Penelope in Peoria. Penelope asks, do sheep dream of androids? Oh, good question. (laughs) I think you're referencing the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I don't think that sheep dream of androids because these aren't electric sheep. These are regular sheep. They're regular sheep. Which begs the question, which buys the question, what do sheep dream about, Mm. you think? Probably cud, mostly cud. Do you think they dream about sweaters? Grass. Lots of grass. Uh, Brighter pastures. You know, I had three sheep as a kid. Wait, really? Yes. Uh, Their names were both, because my father and mother named them independently, Tony Dorset, Tony Dorset, and Tony Dorset, because they were Dorset lambs. Wow. Uh, that's an athletic reference that I still don't understand. <laughs> I was like, this is going Go right sports. over my head. And uh, Curly Larry and Moe. Um, and they were bought because they were supposed to be show sheep. And, you know, sheep are quite greedy. They just kept jumping into the, the feed stall with the cows, and they would try and eat everything. Sheep will, you know, eat themselves to death. And I don't really know what's going on, what they dream of, but they were... They were quite hungry, so maybe they just dream of, of corn. Yeah. That's what they ate a lot of, corn and grain. They just want to eat. I believe that. Got to keep those those coats resplendent. Molasses-based corn and grain. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Who knew we would dive into just this expert expertise yeah. of sheep? Crazy. But definitely not androids. No, no. I don't think so anyway. Yeah. I don't so the official position is no. Ding, 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 ding. Helen from Troy asks, do chipmunks have fun parties? Hell yeah, they do, Helen. Absolutely. Have yeah. you seen a chipmunk scurrying to and fro? Where do you think they're going so fast? Yeah, they they've have an agenda to keep. It's all about parties. They're hopping from a boreal party to a boreal party. They are like... the social butterfly of the forest. Yes. This oh is my kind God. of a goldfish-level question from Helen. I expected more of her. Yeah, I did too. I mean... No shade, Helen, but come on. Duh. Duh. Yeah, the answer is just duh. I think yeah. that's the fish position. It's <laughs> yeah. just duh. 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 Ding, ding, ding. Ding, 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 yes, ding. Yes. Okay. And H.R.L, that's the initials HRL from California, asks, how do catfish feel about catfishing? Like from that TV show about it, <laughs> not actual fishing. Duh. Well, I guess we kind of deserved that, duh, didn't we? Yeah. Um, we did. So I'm not going to address that, HRL. But um, I don't know. I've never really met a catfish. I guess we've been interested in barbels, so I've been thinking about catfish. Right. Um, but I think that they probably are unaware of television, generally. I think so, too. Yeah. But if they were to be aware of television, they'd probably say, oh, we don't even pay attention to that show because Nev Shulman is just an asshole. Oh. They might be quite offended, though, by the by the name. Yeah. Ba- yeah. Based on them. Because, I mean, it's quite a, a like, negative association. Yeah. And they're like, that's not us. That's, that's not, not what us. we're doing. We don't lure people under... 
what would that be? Like nefarious. False pretenses. False pretenses. Yeah, We're they're just chilling at the bottom of ponds, being bottom dwellers, eating. Yeah, they're like, if there's one thing we're not doing, it's pretending some we're something we're not. Yeah. We are full catfish. We are the essence of catfish because yeah. we are team catfish. Yeah. So who are you, Nev Schulman, to be an asshole and to be gross to women, but then to also create this show that's based on... Where did you even get this term? Why catfish? Yeah, Why know. not blowfish? Why, Why not, not any other kind of fish? Why not Lamp a horse? Ray? Why not a llama? Why not a lamb? Why Why catfish? Yeah, so fish position, indifferent to offended, depending yeah, on the I particular like catfish. The yes, catfish. individual dependent. Yeah. I would say it's not even like genus dependent. I think you really have to individual. like Ask it, each catfish. Ask, you have to ask each catfish, but you're likely to find results in this this locus of results, indifferent to offended. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Keep them coming, animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan Club.